when our emotions are too much for us to handle, we can see that they're not too much for God to handle. Welcome to the Jesus Storybook Bible Podcast, a place where we remind you that grace can rewrite any story, that hope shines a light through our darkest moments, and that God's love changes lives. Here's your host, New York Times bestselling author, Sally Lloyd-Jones. Hello, I'm Sally Lloyd-Jones, author of the Jesus Storybook Bible, which tells the story of God's wonderful, never-stopping, never-giving-up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Welcome to the show. This week, we're talking about emotions, and the book of the Bible that expresses and welcomes all of our emotions, the Psalms. Martin Luther called the Psalms a mini-Bible. Athanasius, an ancient church father, wrote this about the Psalms. Whatever your particular need or trouble, from this same book you can select a form of words to fit it, so that you learn the way to remedy your ill. Dr. Tim Keller called the Psalms a medicine chest for the heart. Quote, They're written to be prayed, recited, and sung, to be done, not merely to be read. The Psalms lead us to do what the Psalmists do, to commit ourselves to God through pledges and promises, to depend on God through petition and expressions of acceptance, to seek comfort in God through lament and complaint, to find mercy from God through confession and repentance, to gain new wisdom and perspective from God through meditation, remembrance, and reflection. And most of all, the Psalms, read in the light of the entire Bible, bring us to Jesus. The Psalms were Jesus's songbook. The hymn that Jesus sang at the Passover meal would have been the great Hallel. Indeed, there is every reason to assume that Jesus would have sung all of the Psalms constantly throughout his life so that he knew them by heart. It's the book of the Bible that Jesus quotes more than any other. But the Psalms were not simply sung by Jesus, they're also about him. The Psalms are then, indeed, the songs of Jesus. Our guest today grew up in a family that looked like a happy one, but the reality was very different. As she navigated an unstable childhood, she learned that in order to be loved, she needed to be perfect. She had to achieve. In other words, she needed to earn love. And it wasn't until she was an adult that best-selling author and speaker, Laura Smith, learned that there was a very different kind of love. A love that wasn't dependent on her being good or performing. A love that actually didn't depend on her at all. Let me read to you from my book, Thoughts to Make Your Heart Sing. It's called poor Quasimodo. Do you think you're not good enough for Jesus to love you? Victor Hugo wrote a story called The Hunchback of Notre Dame. It's about Quasimodo, who is so ugly he hides up in the bell tower. He's afraid that anyone who sees him will be disgusted. But we don't have to be like poor Quasimodo. Jesus came to bring you out of the shadows. He sees you and he loves you just as you are, not as you should be. Let him love you, just as you are. 
Genesis 16 verse 13 says, You are the God who sees me. Laura Smith shares the wisdom she's learned since her turbulent years growing up through encountering a love that will not let her go. She has a new book just out called Restore My Soul. I can't wait for you to hear from her. Her story is filled with hope and redemption. So without further ado, please welcome my friend and now yours, Laura Smith. I grew up in Westerville, Ohio, which is a suburb of Columbus. And um, I think from the outside, we looked like the all-American family. Um, our family went to church every Sunday. But on the inside of our house, things looked different. Um, my dad left our family several times while I was growing up. And as a little girl, I didn't have the comprehension of what was going on, right? Every time he left, I felt like I hadn't measured up to what he needed. I felt like I wasn't lovable and that somehow that was the reason he left. Now, as an adult, I can look back and see that he had his own demons he was fighting, his own issues, certainly. Um, but as a little girl, you don't understand that. So every time he left he, and he would come back, I would think to myself, oh gosh, like maybe... I can make that stay. If only I set the table without being asked. If only I'm really quiet because he doesn't like it when I'm loud. But then no matter how hard I tried or worked or earned or achieved, he would leave again, which um, the enemy twisted in my head to make me think that I was unlovable. And our family never talked about it, which was extremely unhealthy. You know, he would leave and be gone. And it was like, oh, dad's gone. And then he would show back up and just be at the dinner table and it'd be like, oh, pass the salt. And um, there was never any explanation or discussion about what was going on. You know, I couldn't control my dad leaving or not, but my performance, I felt like I could control. Like I could study harder. I could work harder. I could try harder. I could, I'm pretty good at reading people and what they want or need. So I felt like I could give people what they wanted or needed. And that approval seeking behavior followed me, not just like in grade school, but into high school and into college. I was, you know, the president of this and on that committee and on that team and in that organization as working hard for my grades. And then even in my early career, because to me, that was the only way to get even a hint of approval or a hint of love was if you could, for a moment, um, dazzle someone by giving them what they wanted. When I was in my early 20s, I was down in Miami, Florida, and my now husband, who was then a friend of mine, was living in Minneapolis and it was freezing cold. And he asked if he could come visit me in sunny Florida. And when he did, we just started having some really great conversations and our friendship turned into love. And it was wild to me because he had been my friend for a long time. He knew all the bad stuff about me. He knew all of my quirks and he still loved me. And this was the opposite of how I had operated in any new relationships. If ever I met a guy that I liked, I would just do whatever I thought he wanted. If he liked sports, I would pretend I liked sports. If he liked spicy foods, I would pretend I liked spicy foods. Just I so much was in that pleaser mentality. And yet here, 
my now husband, then boyfriend, like he knew all the ugly, bad, terrible stuff about me. He knew the goofy stuff about me. He knew the quirky stuff and he still loved me. And to me, that was just unimaginable. Like how could that even be that didn't equate in my brain because that had never happened before. As Brett loved me like this, and we were diving in deeper into our faith and started going to church together as a couple and diving into the Bible more, God showed me, this is how I've always loved you, Laura. Um, I know everything about you. Like Psalm 139 says, like, you know, when I sit and when I rise and you know all my thoughts, you know, my going out and my coming in, and I think you're wonderful. And I am the one who put you together when you were still in your mother's womb. Like I created everything about you and I love you for who you are. And I know that God had to show me through a human that this was possible before I would believe it from him because I just had been raised in such a different mindset that it was so hard for me to get my brain around that anyone could actually love me for me. So God, in all of his goodness, showed me through Brett that someone could love me for me. And then he said, see how Brett loves you. I love you like that, but infinitely more. This pleaser mentality was really hard to break. My husband has been so great at it. Early on in our marriage, we went to marriage retreat. And one of the biggest takeaways from that retreat for us was about communication and there were all these things that I had hidden from my husband, silly little things, but just because I didn't want to let him down or have him think less of me. And I'm gonna give you a really ridiculous example. But like I had turned in some library books late, which was a fine of like all of 50 cents, right? Cause libraries barely charge you anything for late books. But I had kept that from my husband because I felt so much shame in turning them in late and so much shame that I would cost our like meager little startup budget the 50 cents. And that's because that's how when I grew up, if I had made a mistake like that, um, my dad could have gotten very angry, could have made me feel very small as a result of it. So mentally I was trained to react that way. But my husband is just so full of grace and he would give me grace over little things. I would like to say that that was enough, but I have also been going to counseling, which is so helpful, a Christian counselor who helps remind me that um, I can be loved for myself, that things that were done to me in the past aren't things that hold true every day. And just because my father didn't love me in the way that I needed to be loved doesn't mean that other people can't or that God doesn't. The Psalms are such a beautiful book of the Bible because the psalmists come to God in all their emotions, right? Like they're not trying to please God with their psalms. Um, they're not being, you know, approval seekers when they write their psalms. They're just saying what their gut emotions are. They're saying, I am terrified. They're saying, I am sad. They're saying, God, how long will it take for this to happen? They're impatient. They're worried. Sometimes they're just flat out like, God, what are you doing? Why, why are those people doing that? And why is this happening? And throughout it all, God is faithful. And it's just this beautiful songbook and prayer book of, of God's people coming to him just as they are and him being there with them and loving them just 
as they are, which I clearly didn't understand as a child and, and love that God continues to show this to me. But I think the Psalms are such a beautiful place for us to come and say, Hey, like God, I know you could put anything in the Bible that you wanted. Like God, you were the editor on this book. So you could have deleted these Psalms where people were mad. You could have deleted these Psalms where people were anxious or terrified if you wanted us to come to you in a perfect way, but you didn't, you kept it in here. So we know that we can come to you wherever we are, however we're feeling. We don't have to have it all together because God does. So even when we don't know what to do and we don't know how to act and we're overwhelmed and our emotions are overwhelming, he will hem us in and keep us safe and pick us up and put our feet back on that rock again. He'll lead us to still waters. He wants to restore our souls. And these are all just lines straight out of the Psalms. And it's just this, this beautiful book smack in the middle of the Bible that when we don't know what to pray, it's what we can pray. Um, when our emotions are too much for us to handle, we can see that they're not too much for God to handle. When my dad wasn't who I needed him to be, God is our good, good father who is. And Psalm 23 talks all about the good, good shepherd who, of course, is God. And here it is from the Jesus Storybook Bible. God is my shepherd, and I am his little lamb. He feeds me. He guides me. He looks after me. I have everything I need. Inside my heart is very quiet as quiet as lying still in soft green grass in a meadow by a little stream. Even when I walk through the dark, scary, lonely places, I won't be afraid because my shepherd knows where I am. He's here with me. He keeps me safe. He rescues me. He makes me strong and brave. And I think this applies to just about everything we were talking about today, that God is with us so we're never alone. He wants goodness for us, right? He wants to keep us safe. He wants us to be able to lay down in soft places and he wants us to be still and he gives us everything we need. I just think it's such a beautiful reminder to be content with where we are and what we have and content in his love and his protection because when we sit in that, when we actually hang out with our good, good shepherds, then our souls truly can be restored. You can get the Jesus Storybook Bible wherever books are sold. To find out more about the book and all of Sally's other books, please visit Sally at sallylloyd-jones.com and follow her on Instagram at sallylloydjones and at Jesus underscore storybook underscore Bible. Before we go, don't forget, God loves you with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever, love. Oh, hello, it's me again, Sally. I'm just popping back briefly to say two things. The first thing is, don't forget to subscribe to the show because that way you'll get the stories straight to your phone. And the other thing is, while we're at it, would you rate the show and leave us a review? That would be so great because it helps other people find the show too. I really appreciate your help. Thank you.